Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's go. It's another week of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us around the state. Whatever Super Talk station you're tuned in on this afternoon or online, welcome Bob and Kelly uh, today from the Southern Bank Core Studio in Hattiesburg. Luke will be out this week. Uh, I'll be out most of the week. We'll talk about that a little later. But right now, let's get right to it. Dickie's Barbecue sponsors the opening segment of our show, and we appreciate all they do. Great place to cater your next event. Treat your family to a great meal. They're big supporters of Southern Miss Athletics, and uh, they're great friends of ours, and we certainly encourage you to do business with Dickie's Barbecue Pit. It's Monday. You know what that means. Uh, we bring uh, baseball coach Scott Berry on the Eagle Hour, and always so much so grateful for your time, Coach. Uh, we were talking uh, before we went on the air, three hours late getting started yesterday, and we will review all the games. And, and you played in a, in, in a really a, a rain throughout. Uh, what was the thinking yesterday, and uh, at what point did uh, you realize that maybe you were going to get to play and reach agreement with uh, Valpo to, to play the nine innings? Well, you know, one of the reasons that we went to synthetic grass is to try to stay away from double headers if all possible, and uh, that's that, that's what we were able to do. And uh, thankfully, we had it yesterday, or we probably wouldn't have been able to play. But you know, on Friday when we consulted the weather service, and, and nothing's guaranteed when it comes to weather, especially in South Mississippi. But you know, we felt like that we could move the game up earlier on Sunday uh, with everything being consistent with the models that. The rain wouldn't get here until uh, mid to late afternoon on Sunday, but quickly things changed Saturday night after the fact that, you know, we couldn't do a doubleheader. You know, we would have had to announce that on on Friday to be able to do that on Saturday. So just kind of crossed our fingers and and woke up Sunday morning and said, oh, no, doesn't look good. But, you know, as as we consulted with them and at the 12 o'clock hour, an hour after the uh, announced game time of 11. It looked like that we would have a window to, to play for at least a couple hours, if not longer, uh, from two to four. And and we were able to get it in, and it rained the whole time, uh, Bob. But, you know, we there was no lightning. So that's the biggest thing that would keep us off our field now. It's not necessarily the rain. It's the lightning. So we were, we were fortunate to not have any of that to stall the game and make it longer than, than what it was. I think I just realized what you were telling me before we went on the air. That really was only an hour after you were scheduled to start the game at any at any rate. So there was talk, well, you know, Valpo really was willing to stick it around and stick around. But really, 
you only started an hour late, then you were contractually going to start anyway. Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, have they been on a flight to meet a flight? Then certainly we would have gone to a doubleheader on Saturday. But the mere fact that they were on a bus, they didn't have class today. They're on spring break for their second week this week. So there was really nothing there other than, you know, if if it got way late in the afternoon or night, then certainly we probably would have had to bang it. But given the fact that there wasn't a flight that that they had to to catch, uh, it was pretty it was pretty easy to just let's hey let's just kind of wait it and see what's going on. I mean they came south to play baseball because they can't play it up north uh, this time of year most of the time. So that's what they are here to do, and certainly we wanted to play as well. All right, uh, been playing tough tough competition. Uh, let's go back to Tuesday night. Ole Miss uh, wins that game eleven to five, and and I and I heard what you said after the game, and I, I think sometimes that. Maybe sometimes fans don't give enough credit to the opposition, but I did hear you talk about that, that Ole Miss has a tremendous batting lineup, and it's a tremendous baseball team. And I heard you say there's a reason they're ranked number four in the country. So you have to play your best game, and you have to pitch your best to beat teams like Ole Miss. Is that fair to say, Coach? Oh, very fair to say. I mean, you know, certainly going into it, I knew they returned a lot of guys from last year. They, you know, they'd lost a couple of key players, Elko and Graham and uh, the the catcher, but they replaced them and they had those guys in the waiting uh, to replace them too. And you, you could see that their weekend guys, obviously uh, we didn't see them as far as on the mound and they didn't see ours. So it was a battle of midweek pitching against, you know, each other's offense. And, uh, you know, once you went through one time through that lineup, uh, you could tell that Ole Miss was pretty potent on the offensive side. They're big, they're physical. Everybody in that lineup has the ability to leave the yard at any time. And they really impressed me and, and our staff uh, with, with their uh, their offense and, and how they how they handled us, which was pretty, pretty easy, honestly. Yeah. Okay, so let's get to the weekend series. Got about five minutes left in the segment. You come back, you win the series. I thought really good performance Saturday and and Sunday. I, I and I was listening to you Friday night after the game, and and you seemed unusually, uh, I don't want to say irritated, but you just you you you're, the tone of your voice was a little different, Coach. You just seemed to be kind of upset with what you described as the toughness of the team. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you know, I mean, we're we're an older team for the most part uh, that we start on on the lineup, and you know, these guys need to they need to stand up and, and get her done for us. I mean, you know, both Friday and Saturday we give up two runs in the first inning, so we're behind already before we even bat. And 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 credit Valpo, man. I mean, if you watch the game, you could tell. They had a really had some really good hitters, especially in the top of the lineup. And no we saw that both on Friday and Saturday. I mean, before we knew what would happen, we were down two to nothing. But you know, credit Tanner Hall and being able to go the next five innings of throwing up zeros and, and giving us a chance to hold it there at two to one. We scratched for a run in the third uh, to make it two to one. But you know, it's the pitcher's job to give your offense a chance. To, to get back in the game or to take the momentum of the game and just never felt like that we did that. Of course, in the in the seventh inning, we self-destructed. We had some walks and hit matters, a couple of hits there, didn't feel the bunt. The momentum really swung their way. And, and then, of course, their, their four-hole hitter, what he's supposed to do, 
he hits a grand slam and, and we're down six to one and really never, oh. never recovered from that. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was not real happy on, on Friday, but our guys responded and came out and played Saturday and Sunday to win the series. And, and that's, uh, that was the best we could do at that point. Right. Certainly, uh, what you just described happened Saturday uh, because Valpo goes up three to nothing, but then Matt Adams retires 12 of 13 batters. Uh, from the fourth inning on, just gave up one single, really pitched well. Bats got to going, and, and you won that one kind of going away 8-3. to three. So much, much better performance all the way around, yes? Yes, m- most definitely. You know, I think, uh, it, as you said, we were down 3 to nothing once again before we ever hit. We're down 2 to nothing. credit Valpo and taking good swings on, on pitches that they, they don't need to foul back, and they didn't. But you know, I think one thing that we were able to do on Saturday and Sunday really well is is that we were able to manage our pitch count and we were able to get their guy's pitch count up as well. Uh, you know, in the first inning, Adams threw 21 pitches uh, and we got their guy to throw 18 pitches. So we pretty much evened that after two innings. So, you know, that's one thing we didn't do on Friday night. We didn't run their pitch count up on their starter, and they ran uh, ours up on, on Tanner. But it was a three-run homer there in the third by mm-hmm. Dustin Dickerson uh, that really brought that momentum back in our dugout and, and really kind of sent a message because that tied it up after a, a tough 12 innings that we had seen played prior to that from Friday night into the uh, the third inning of uh, Saturday's game. Yeah, it was a dramatic moment. That's a kid that carries his emotions up on his shoulder. And, uh, you know, you can see he fired up, I think, the whole team. And then Sunday in the rain, I'm going to throw two words out. Nico Mazza, what a performance by that kid. You know, the only thing that he hurt himself was, and it, it, he had a couple of hit-by pitches uh, and maybe a walk in there. But I think that was weather-induced, in all honesty. I think it just the ball would get slick, and, and mm-hmm. it's not like him to hit guys, and, and he just kind of didn't have good control of the ball at that time. It seemed like every time we went on defense, it started raining. <laughs> and it started raining yeah, harder. Yeah, so I even said something to, to one of our coaches. I said, "Is does it just start raining when we go back out there? But, mm-hmm. you know, outside of him hitting a couple of guys, you know, you surrendered, gave up three hits, uh, and had one run, one earned. But, you know, the 11 strikeouts and the two walks, that was the difference in going seven innings on 105 pitches and taking us deep, deep in the game. And, of course, we answered on that offensive side. For, right. for one of the, you know, for once in that series, we jumped out two to nothing after we got our first at bat. And that came off the bat of Slade Wilkes on an opposite field two-run homer, a big, big at-bat. And I thought it really made a statement, particularly when we were trying to carry that momentum from Saturday's game after tying the series one apiece into Sunday to try to win this series. No question. Now, Coach, did you have a dry piece of clothing on when the game was over? No. I think everything was wet that I had. So, But it was fine because it was, it was a win. All right. When we come back, Kelly will get into the conversation here with uh, Coach Kind of entering phase two of the season now that conference play is about to begin. More with Coach Scott Berry right after this. Super Talk Eagle Hour.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, Campus Bookmark, CampusBookmark.net sponsors this segment of the Eagle Hour. and We really like those guys. Great, great lunches. The best catfish in town every Friday uh, starts at 11 o'clock and uh, 4th Street Bar and Grill. You can uh, always enjoy good food. Also, I want to thank Campus Bookmark, CampusBookmark.net. Miss Kathleen is just the best, and we appreciate all she does uh, for Southern Miss. And I know Coach Barry thinks uh, an awful lot of uh, Miss Kathleen as well at Campus Bookmark. CampusBookmark.net. All right, Kelly, get in here with the baseball coach. Coach Barry, uh, welcome back again to, to the Eagle Hour. I want to go back to what you were talking about in the first segment in, in the Valpo series about not running up you know, the pitch count. I, even even at the 11- and 12-year-old level, I, I stress to kids about the importance of a good at bat. A good at bat doesn't always necessarily mean that you're going to wind up at first base. Um, you know, by fouling off some pitches and putting some miles on the pitcher's arms, I think that good at bats – Again, even though they don't necessarily result in you winding up at first base, is a really underappreciated part of the game. How do you find? How do you define a good at bat? Well, a great at bat is one that it, that has something that comes out of it positive, and it's not necessarily the base hit. It's just what you explained. It could be fouling those pitches off. It could be extending the at bat. Maybe it's a hard hit ball. You know, right. You fail seven out of ten times uh, where you don't get a hit, and you're still considered a very good hitter in baseball. And, and no other sport gives you that kind of that kind of ratio, and and you're good. Uh, so we know how hard it is to hit a baseball right off the bat to to be successful from a number standpoint. But you know, a good at bat can be squaring up a baseball. It could be it could be a strikeout where you saw six, seven pitches. It wasn't right. just three or four pitches. You, you, we got something out of it. If you look back at Friday night, um, Tanner threw 32 pitches in the first inning. Uh, there was one, two, there were two, three hits involved in that uh, 32 pitches. Our, our inning, our half inning, saw nine pitches. So we averaged three pitches a, a, a hitter. that, And we had... F8, F9K. So to me, there wasn't, you know, two fly ball outs and a K in that situation. The message after Friday night was we have to have better, better at bats. We have to have better competitive at bats. We have to have better quality at bats. Maybe that at bat is situational. Maybe it's a sacrifice fly. Right. Maybe it's a runner at second base, nobody out, and you hit a right side ground ball. Well, it's not a sacrifice. It's an at bat. But it's a team at bat that moves the runner to third less than two outs. So there's there's a lot of things, a walk, a hit by pitch, all those things can can turn out to be quality at bats. And that's what you're trying to do. With twenty seven outs in the game, you don't want to give away at bats that aren't quality outs. You're gonna have to make twenty seven outs for the game to be over, uh, if if you bat the nine innings. So outs are gonna happen. There's no you can't win a game without outs making outs, but it has to be quality outs. Yeah, well, well described. And again, I think that's a an underappreciated part of the game. As I tell eleven, twelve year old kids all the time, look, you didn't get on first base, but that was a good at bat. You know, they they don't want to hear that necessarily. But all right, let's talk about. I want to ask you about, um, and obviously nobody specifically, but is there the bullpen specifically on a scale of one to ten? How would you rate? your confidence level in the unit as a whole to be able to hold leads. And then if you don't mind 
um, describing why you arrived at that number? Um, you know, I would think right now that out of one of ten, that after 15 games into it and almost uh, one game shy of our first season, the non-conference season, I'd probably give it a six, to be honest with you. And I think that that's an ongoing pro- process. I think we have so many new guys, uh, whether they be transfer or would, the, would they be high school guys that are still learning, particularly at this level. A lot of these guys that have even transferred in have not played the competition that we have on our schedule right now. So that is an education in itself, being able to have to come out and compete against very, very good competition. We do that for a reason, Kelly. I mean, I schedule that for a reason. Number one, and the better the competition you play, the better resume you build for the committee at the end of the year to say, you know what, they weren't dodging people. They played quality opponents. They, were, they weren't afraid of that. And if you can take care of business and win your share of games, then certainly it's hard for them to leave you out. But on the same hand, it's also a learning curve for particularly these younger guys, the new guys that come in that haven't been around this. You know, right now you look at our three starters, Tanner, Adams, and Nico, they have been in this program. Nico only saw five innings, I think, last year. But Nico saw a lot happen with his eyes. He got to see a very good staff last year and learn from just being on the side watching. It wasn't necessarily being out there on the mound doing it. it he had an opportunity to learn by watching. So, and, and that's kind of where we are with a lot of these other guys. As we move forward, I hope that number continues to climb because that's that's part of the development and that's part of the process uh you know i wish i could tell you right now that i was at an eight or a nine last year staff i would tell you that you know that's where we are and for for very good reason one of the top staffs in the country 748 strikeouts over i think 188 walks uh you know in this in this young season right now we're sitting here 166 strikeouts 64 walks and uh, 24 hit-by-pitches. So, you know, those numbers aren't what they were last year, but it's not that we're not continuing to work and develop and getting better each time out. What these young men have to do is is they have to be able to take the opportunity that they had on that mound and, and learn from it, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent. But that's the process that, that has to take place. And, and I know, Coach Barry, there are people driving in their cars listening to this show banging on the dashboard saying, would somebody please ask about leaving runners on on base? If there was a magic bullet, if there was a way to, to answer it, you would have answered it by now. It's just one of those horribly frustrating things. It is, and you know what? There's two parts of that, though. You know, they could be banging their head uh, on, on the dashboard going, why do we never get anybody on base? You know, you, you've got to get people, you've got to create an opportunity, Kelly. I mean, and, and then once the opportunity is there, then you have to make, make good on it. You know, what we're trying to do as a team right now, we're trying to make, make ourselves an opportunity at the end of the year to be one of the 64 teams in that NCAA tournament. And, and that's a process that's going on. But the opportunity is every time we play, we have to take advantage of that and, and, and win and get that opportunity at the end. And it's the same way with, with runners, getting runners on base. You know, you're asking for that opportunity to drive them in. Well, it's the same thing. You're asking the opportunity to, to get in the regional tournament. 
so that you to win a national championship. So, yeah, it's frustrating, but we did a better job this weekend as a whole on, on Saturday and Sunday. You know, uh, just like uh, we, we, we did some situational things, a couple of sack flies. Tate Parker had a nice sack fly. Uh, Lynch had a nice sack fly. Sarge had one. You know, yesterday, even though the game was kind of at an 8-1, to one, uh, Ewing hits a, a bases-loaded clearing uh, double with two outs. You know, those are big moments that we hope that we continue to learn from, and it gives us more momentum as we move into the next opportunity. All right, Coach, just a couple minutes left. Uh, talking about competition, it doesn't get any easier. Uh, southeastern Louisiana may fly under the radar of fans, but Southeastern Louisiana is 11-5, and five, and they're coming off of a weekend series win at Auburn, Coach. So uh, they're, yes. they're going to be a handful. They are going to be a handful. Uh, you know, I've watched their scores all year. They've, they've done a great job. Like you said, they're 11-5. and five. They're 6-2 and two at home. Some things that really stand out at me, especially the stolen bases, they're they're uh, 54 for 62. So they're gonna they're gonna try to run. Obviously, you got to get on base to be able to do that. But they've been able to do that. Their on base percentage is 446, which is phenomenal in all honesty. So uh, they're they're a well coached club. Uh, they're playing really well right now. Having gone on the road at Auburn, uh, they lost the first game on Friday, but weather forced them to ha- play a doubleheader on Saturday, which they, they held on in game two to sweep the, that doubleheader and win the series from Auburn on the road. That was really big for them. In all honesty, it's really big for us because we inherit their schedule from an RPI standpoint and their wins as well. So they all play in together. So. I'm glad they went on that road and did that because that only boosts us even more. Right, and just a few seconds left, and then after that is Texas State. I know you don't want to look ahead, but it opens conference play, so a new era of Southern Miss baseball really begins this Friday night. It does, yeah. This is a place that I've never been to before. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting their coach at the uh, head coaches' meetings in New Orleans back in August. Super guy, very class. Uh, I think I'm going to really like him, but you know, a great program. Last year, they uh, probably should have hosted a regional, but they, they made a regional last year. Uh, everybody says they're really good. I think I checked them this morning. I think they're 10-5. and five. Right. They have one of the projected top 40 pitchers in the country or top 40 players, draftable players, who is their Friday night guy that will probably give us everything we want more. All right, Coach. Always great pleasure having you on our show, and we'll look forward to talk to you next Monday. All right, guys. Thank you. Coach Scott Berry, everybody. I'm already going to go ahead now and say the dumbest post of the week has already been put up on Eagle Post. Friday night is Scott Berry on the hot seat. <laughs> he was on the wet seat Sunday. And and now now he matches Juan Cardona for the most soaked clothing after a ball game. But he's not on any sort of hot seat. <laughs> no. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right. I want to thank Jana King for sponsoring the Super Talk Eagle Hour. The king of clean, Jana King. Their team has been working for over 35 years, cleaning places of work, education, medicine, eateries, stadiums, and worship. 
You can go to JanaKingCleans.com and find out how Jana King can help your business. You know, I want to thank Scott Berry. Uh, Kelly, I don't guess I've ever told you this, but early in the year, Jack uh, Duggan was telling me that uh, he was really having to budget Coach Berry's time, manage it for him because he had so many requests sure. for interviews. Sure. And, uh, you know, he graciously now for 10 years has given us a half an hour every Monday, their first real long, you know, first extended interview he does every week we we appreciate that because it is i mean when you when you see other interviews that he does on on other you know radio stations across the state and then you'll see him on facebook on some other i mean it's it gets to be i'm sure it gets to be a real hassle i'm sure it does yeah all right let's switch gears basketball men in the nit as expected uh, on the road at uab uh wednesday night pretty tough matchup uab always a quality basketball program well, it's it's the old, you know yeah, what? I know league. Yeah. Well, it's an old rival too. Yeah, for sure. You know. So, it, but on the on the plus side, it's a drivable game, you know, for Southern Miss and for Southern Miss fans. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm sure it's it's not where the Eagles obviously wanted to be in the NCAA tournament, but um, but one thing is is clear, Bob, from the brackets that came out, the Eagles are not going to get a home game. I mean, no. and you see even in the NIT some of the biases. Oh, it's unbelievable. You know, when it comes to records and overall bodies of work, you got a lot of teams with much better records right. and, and much better ratings up and down the scale, but they're on the road. Well, well let's play this, though, for just a minute. Say the Golden Eagles were to beat UAB. They're going to play the winner of Clemson and Moorhead State. What if Moorhead State upset Clemson? Do you think the Southern Miss would be sent to Moorhead State? You would think not. Particularly, where is Moorhead State? It's in Kentucky. I think that's where that's where Donnie Tyndall came from. Oh, uh, okay. Moorhead State. Uh, well, we'll see. You know, USM the only Sun Belt team in the NIT. It's amazing. Yeah, listen to this, Kelly. 16 and 16 Florida, 16 and 14 Wisconsin, 17 and 15 Michigan, 17 and 16 Colorado. Just four examples of, of teams with lesser records than some of the Sun Belt teams, but they pamper those big, they pamper those money conferences. So Florida from the SEC, Wisconsin from the Big Ten, Michigan from the Big Michigan Ten. from the Big Ten, and Colorado from the Pac-12. Yes. And don't feel too sorry for Florida. I mean, the SEC, they have nine, they have eight in the NCAAs and one in the NIT. So nine of their teams are in postseason. But it's even worse. The women do not get in. 20 wins, conference co champions win the first game of the uh, tournament. So they have a postseason win. They're not in the WNIT, but 15 and 14 Auburn. SEC. 16 and 15 Clemson. ACC. 16 and 14 Florida. SEC. 17 and 16 Kansas State. Big 12. 17 and 15 Oregon. Pac-12. 16 and 16 <laughs> Wake Forest. ACC. You know, it's it's just, I, I posted this, I don't do this often, but I posted this on social media and I got a response that told me it was a dumb statement. The, the NCAA is not about fairness. The NCAA is about protecting the Power Five money schools. That's my opinion. I don't disagree. 
I mean, and, and when we, we joke about all the time if, and we go back to the Louisville and North Carolina incidents, and who was it that said now that North Carolina has been found guilty of all this stuff, Central Michigan better watch out because... Yeah, Jerry Tartani. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to they're gonna get, yeah. you know, punished for this. Uh, when, when Patino went through the problems at, at Louisville and some of the problems that happened at North Carolina... I, I assert that if that would have happened to a Southern Miss or a Central Michigan, as we used in that example, the penalties would have been much worse. In fact, the penalties were non-existent at Louisville and, and North Carolina. Now, while I'm criticizing North Carolina in that particular sense, something that Carolina did over the weekend, which I respect, is that they did not make the NCAA tournament and they flat rejected the NIT. They said, we at North Carolina play to play in the big dance. And if we're not good enough to make the big dance, we don't, we're not going anywhere else. A lot of people would say that's, that's not good for the athletes. The athletes deserve to play. But at North Carolina, in their basketball program, they, they work to make the NCAA tournament. Right. And if they're not good enough right. to make that tournament, they're, they're not going to play I at all. I think my math is right. I think there are a total of 10 SEC teams either in the NCAA or the NIT. So Missis- Mississippi State's in. They, they backed yeah. in and got one of those first. Play, playing game, right? Right. right. And I think well, if. this I, is nothing new. I and, mean. and I think if they win, Bob, they're going to play my Cyclones. Are they? I think so. Uh, the way the, the in the Midwest region. We'll be pulling hard for the Cyclones. <laughs> well, <laughs> I would be anyway, but the Cyclones have a terrible history of getting upset in the first round, so we hope that doesn't happen. Well, the bias is there. The bias is never going to stop, and uh, I, I don't think it's ever going to stop. Um, I just think it's – I just – I think it's unbelievable that the women were not invited to the WNI team. Unbelievable, I think. I, I, I agree. I agree because it's supposed to be about – it's not supposed to be about the attendance. It's not supposed to be about number of season ticket holders. It's supposed to be about the body of work uh, and what these, what these women were able to do, particularly with Joy Lee's team, Bob, the number of road wins right. you know, that they amassed. Right. That should have gotten some some extra consideration. Playing hot at the end of the year, but but apparently, um, you know, it didn't. You know, people say, well, all these fields need to be expanded. But with all due respect, everybody that thinks that it doesn't matter how many teams no. you put in there. There's always going to be some teams. If it's a hundred teams, the hundred and first team would have said, well, we deserve to be in there. You know, so um, it's it's a tough job. But um, the men are in, and now. You can put full focus on the men going up to UAB and beating a former Conference USA rival. Not going to be easy. No. But uh, should be ent- entertaining for sure. And and the guys certainly deserve at least this. I, I was really hoping that they would get, get a home game out of this because, again, in my opinion, the Southern Miss fan base did everything it was supposed to do yeah. as well as the guys doing what, it, what they were supposed to do on the court. scenario. Should Moorhead State upset Clemson? And USM beats UAB. Is that game really going to be at Moorhead State? I would, I would just <laughs> think not. I mean, I really would think not. Um, A lot of ifs, but boy, oh boy, that'll be interesting to see, right? Yeah, it, it would be because you you would think that that game would be in Hattiesburg if if that were. But but by the same token, you can you can bet that the NIT people are are betting their mortgages that Clemson is going to win that game. Oh yeah, no, you know? for sure. What they're thinking is that UAB is going to be at Clemson. That's what they're thinking. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what both home both home teams the prohibitive favorites. Um, but look, I I think I think the Eagles can go up there and beat UAB. 
Yeah, I, I, mean, well, I, I do too. I don't. I don't. No, I don't think. I, I wish Alvarez was playing. Probably not going to play. Kelly and uh, and Ben Milam will be doing uh, the show the rest of the week, and uh, Kelly's been uh, really good at getting a coach on. So I'm not sure if the day before the end, probably so. I mean they've they've been very open. So is that game tomorrow, Bob, or, or Wednesday? I think that game is Wednesday, Kelly. I'm okay, because I, I, I there's been Listen, wait a second. I've got it right here. Because. Uh, Tuesday, no, it's yeah, Tuesday. yeah, I thought it was yeah, tomorrow. It's Tuesday, tomorrow night, yeah, March fourteenth, six thirty Central Standard Time. Yeah, so we'll have we'll have complete pregame coverage tomorrow on the uh, Eagle Hour as uh, Southern Miss gets ready to play UAB, and then as you mentioned, uh, the you Southeastern Louisiana with uh, mm. Coach Riser down there, Matt uh, Riser. Uh, you know, while you were talking to Scott, I uh, I pulled him up. I was just kind of running late today and. Really jumped out at me there that they went up there and beat Auburn. And then he says they beat him in a doubleheader. To go to Auburn and beat them two games in a row on their field in the same day, you got to have some talent to do that. And Matt Reiser, the coach of Southeastern, of course, he's a Picayune native, right, and has been down there for a while. And that is that is a guy, Matt Reiser is a guy that I'm really surprised none of the Power Fives have picked him up. And, and, maybe, and maybe for whatever reason he, he – likes it in Hammond and wouldn't want to leave. But, man, he's put together a resume and year in and year out for a, for a Southland uh, conference school. And the Southland, by far, their best sport is baseball. You know? So, uh, but I'm surprised somebody hasn't snatched him up. And so for all of those that think the sky has fallen, the Golden Eagles are ranked 25th in the two major polls today, Baseball America D1. They win 10 out of 15 playing what – clearly has been the toughest preseason schedule in the years that we've been covering baseball that we've seen. Uh, and short of one game that they really kind of blew it late against Mississippi State, you know, um, they've done very well. I mean, overall, they've done very, very well. And fascinating that you asked Coach how he rated that pitching staff. And, and he was honest, gave you an honest assessment. So. And I and I think that was a I think I would have maybe given him a seven, but that just shows you how coaches are always going to be tougher on their own guys. But remember, it's all out of love, man. Only onward and upward. All right, we'll be right back. Go take a look at the Sun Belt Conference baseball standings. That'll open your eyes a little bit as well as uh, the Eagle Hour continues. Southern Miss to the top. All right, welcome back. Super Talk Eagle Hour. I want to thank D1 and DBAT for their sponsorship of our program. It is a great facility on Hardy Street. Perfect place to take your uh, child if they're into baseball or softball. Also, D1 is a great adult athletic uh, training facility. State-of-the-art facility. Great trainers. Great programs for everybody. D1 and DBAT also kind of ironic to talk about training and then go to this next uh, sponsor but Bobe Beignet uh No, it makes perfect sense. After you train, go down to Bobe Beignet and have a couple of beignets and some great coffees and and of course that's where we had the great uh Bobe Beignet eat all. Did you, you did you sand 
Now that he's not here, did you sandbag that just a little bit that day? Sandbag? Actually, I when I started and saw how he was uh, going through them like there was no tomorrow, I, I knew I didn't have a chance. I was going to savor every bite of that scrumptious beignet with the yeah. with the powdered uh, sugar on top. I believe he ate six of them things. And the honey butter dip that was in yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. They have a new dip every month, a they sauce do. that you put on top. My favorite is strawberry. I just think it's, but that's seasonal. Strawberry seasonal. I know. I've tried to talk to them about making it year round, but they ignored me. Uh, What's my, that? They ignored me. <laughs> yeah. Mobay <laughs> Beignet on Hardy Street, uh, the official beignet store of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. And we're happy to say they're great friends of ours and uh, great supporters of Southern Miss Athletics. Baseball ranked 25th in Baseball America and D1 uh, that came out this morning. There are a number of polls. I checked those two. Primarily, those are your two go-to polls. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so, when it, especially in baseball, yeah. So the Golden Eagles now are a month into the season. They haven't been out of the polls a month. And uh, it, even when they hit some rough spots, the, the pollsters still respect the program and uh, keep them in the top 25. But make no mistake, this is going to be a difficult week. You know, we just talked about Southeast Louisiana Texas State was a regional team last year. They're off to an identical 10-5 and five start. They've won three straight games. Uh, Southeast Louisiana coming in, two straight wins over Auburn. These are going to be tough matchups, as is the entire league, Kelly Center. Here we are right now as we get ready to open league play. Old Dominion, we know about them, 13-2. and two. Maybe, the, maybe the best team I saw us play last year. Troy thirteen and three, Louisiana. We know about the Cajuns ten and five, USM ten and five. This week's opponent, Texas State ten and five, Coastal Carolina, just a couple of years removed from the national championship, nine and five. And Coastal Carolina, Bob, is knocking the fire out of the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the last two weekends they've averaged like twelve runs a game. Beat an undefeated Wake Forest team uh, last midweek. Scored 13 runs. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, Coastal is lighting up the scoreboard. Uh, You kind of go on down the list. Maybe a couple of surprises. South Alabama, traditionally a really fine program, 8-8. And and Georgia Southern, 7-9. Georgia Southern will be be playing here within the next few weeks. Georgia Southern hosted a regional last year, correct? That's right, they did. And uh, Rodney Hennon has been there, very similar to Scott Berry, Georgia Southern's program. Rodney Hennon has been there probably close to 20 years now. And and Georgia Southern is where a lot of the guys that, that don't get into Georgia, you know, it's not that they couldn't play at Georgia, it's academically they can't necessarily get in. Now, I don't, I'm not berating Georgia Southern's right. admit, admittance standards at all, but I'm just saying Georgia's a tough place to get into. But... So these are guys that could play at Georgia that maybe just academically couldn't get in. So they're they're always going to be strong. I'm a little bit surprised though by that Georgia Southern record because I think they're better than that. Well, they've lost five straight, so they were seven and four at one point, and uh, and apparently lost the weekend series, the midweek, and the last game of the previous series. And but you I- don't know if they're going through some injury, you know, trials and tribulations or, or what. And we'll get to Georgia Southern in time for sure. You know, I thought the two best teams that I saw play here last year were Old Dominion, as I just mentioned, and Texas San Antonio. We won't have to deal with them, but man, here's Old Dominion, thirteen and two, and talk about a team that could hit the baseball. 
they could really hit the baseball. Yeah, I know all these teams, Bob, that, that were in the Sun Belt before have all been very gracious and positive in their comments about Southern, Marshall, Old Dominion, you know, all of the new guys coming into the league. But you have to think under their breath, they're going, you know, where do these, where do these guys get off? <laughs> you yeah. know, they come in there. The men win the basketball conference. Yeah. Southern Miss was supposed to finish dead last, right? right? And they win the, the regular women, season. Women as well. The women are up there. <laughs> Remember, the, the cross-country team won the first Cross country championship last year, right after right after we came in the league, and of course the indoor track team, you know, tearing it up. And and look, credit Marshall as well. You know, Marshall has done very well. Old Dominion now at the top of the baseball standings. There might be some people saying, "Let's get these teams out of here." James Madison, you know, James Madison. They're they're in the uh, and I, they're they won no the, the women the women yeah yeah they so they're in the NCAA right. Yeah. So two uh, women's teams uh, they're in the NCAA from winning the tournament and then Texas State uh, which is a pretty tough team right in the NIT. So. Okay, Kelly and Ben Milam will have the show the remainder of the week I believe. I'll be out of town, Luke is out of town, but guys will take care of it and the one and only Michael Morgans will be uh, on the show every day. And to the listeners, remember when the cat's away, the mice sometimes play. <laughs> That's right. All right, till next time everybody, Southern Miss to the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.